episode 58 of the Never Ending Glory podcast. I am your host, Luke Grilly. I'm here with Jerry and also with Sean, who's pulling double duty tonight. Sean, you are the hardest working man in podcasting. Uh, today, we are going to talk about NFL free agency. But before this, you and your brother, Mark, uh, recorded a nice episode about the Combine. So let us know how that went. Uh, it was fantastic. We literally didn't rep any of the NEG stuff. We had no idea <laughs> on any of that. We got all into content, a little bit of trash talking. Not much, though. We actually had one that was deleted about a week and a half ago. It's gone to the Internet uh, gods. But Probably uh, a good that thing. one, Probably. we, we, attra- we uh, attacked Luke Gurley much more. Ooh, we good. didn't really go after anybody. Maybe uh, Adam Burris and his affinity for the college offenses and their lack of sophistication. But, you know, that's a pretty standard take coming from us. Sure, sure. So, um, Jerry, are, are, I'm I'm pretty happy that the uh, the attack on Luke really is lost in the dark web right now. But I'm, I'm sure you're feeling pretty good too that they uh, they dogging you and your love. For yeah, the, lo- lost in the internet's a funny word for me. I know exactly where it is, and it's just buried, and I don't want to see the light of day. <laughs> um, I've listened to to those two argue my entire life, and you know, you dealt with it in college. So, um, recording it and spreading around the internet's probably better for everybody. It just stays, you know, locked in the archives. Right, we're trying Please. to build our the brand content here. on that. The content on that shit was unbelievable. Well, we had literally picked out guys that three days later on the combine dropped four fours. That's what was lost. Some hot takes right there. Do you guys? Did you guys guess that uh, John Ross would break the record and potentially win an island? No, we we had him called though. We we said he's gonna like fast guys run fast. What Mark called is he loves the Godwin kid from Penn State. Like you, you'll hear on the podcast. We picked out certain guys, and it's no secret that those guys showed out. Okay, okay. So listen to episode 57. That is Mark and Sean going over all things NFL Combine, letting you know who's uh, what player's stock has risen and dropped uh, in the upcoming NFL draft that will be taking place here in about a month and a half uh, in early May in Philadelphia. But since they didn't plug the Never Any Glory podcast, I will. Find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast. On Facebook, search for us, Never Ending Glory Podcast. On SoundCloud, iTunes, subscribe, like us, tell all your friends, and uh, be sure to check out. We're going to be having a, a pretty interesting betting and uh, March Madness pod coming up too, huh, Sean? That's right. We got to we gotta get uh, Nick Show back on the pod. I told him he's got to drink a couple so he loosens up because he's stiff <laughs> as a board. So we'll get him a little liquored up with some Buckeye Vodka. I've actually got Haley from Buckeye Vodka downstairs. They were going to do a commercial. real creepy. You got her downstairs they, in the basement? I know. Locked downstairs in the basement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they actually, they're downstairs. They've they've actually had one too many Moscow Mules at this point uh, that they couldn't understand the confines of a 30-second ad. We'll hold off on them for another time, but Again. rest assured, uh, we've, we've got the, the Buckeye Vodka pouring I think in, we the, should, uh, in the Sustin household. I think you should go down there like me and Gene Oakland and just let them cut a promo. You know, just I, I total could probably – you know what? Maybe we'll do that at the back end of this. I, I don't – I mean, now you're asking Total me to stream take of the phone and move around <laughs> and, and try and like capably do this. But, I Sounds mean, like we'll, we'll see what can happen. All right. Hey, so free agency started on Thursday. It was? Yes, Thursday. And I, I got to tell you guys that I really didn't get much accomplished on Thursday and Friday. I, the, the most of that Never I did was – accomplished. Well, that, that, that's alleged. That's alleged. Uh, Dad, hope you're not listening. Um but unless I was constantly count, hey, unless we're counting tissues, tissues oh. and lotion, Burris. <laughs> Jesus, keep oh, it PG thirteen. Let's go. Let's get so. it. 
But I was kept on uh, refreshing Twitter, Roto World, seeing what the latest happenings were, tweeting them out as they happened. And I think the biggest bombshell, bombshell of the weekend had to have been, Jerry, he's coming home. Your boy, Brock Osweiler, traded. We played the music. For nothing. Second only coming to the... home. Well, you, you, home is home is is what Idaho or North Dakota? But no, home is where the heart is, and and yeah, yeah, the heart is the heart is, is home is your bedroom, your bed. <laughs> I got a spare bedroom. I got a spare bedroom right next to my my son's nursery. He's welcome to stay with us as he's looking for temporary housing. Oh, Very br- the Brocket ship has landed. It's ro- the Brocket ship has landed in Cleveland, and we are so excited to have him, even if it is just for oh, a short while. Not. <laughs> so, so for those who don't know, uh, Brock Osweiler was traded from the Texans to the Browns, and the Browns had to give up nothing. The actually, the Browns got a second round pick in return. No, we so they gave t- up truck truck stop money. We gave exactly. up truck stop so, money. So they so they are clowns. now taking on yeah. the the um, Brock Osweiler's sixteen million dollar cap hit this year. And are allegedly trying to flip Brock for something, which I read, you know, our girl Mary Kay Cabot said that uh, the Browns are trying to move Brock, Brock Osweiler in a fifth for a third round pick. And I don't get how that math works, considering that they had to Mary, take Mary on Mary high. Let, let's no. get something straight. Like, alle- allegedly, she's high. Allegedly. <laughs> but if they trade Brock, Olive, Brock Osweiler for a sixth rounder, they're, that's a home run. They win. Because right. we can't spend that much money. Let's carry it over into next year, i.e. it comes off the books at the end of this year anyways. So everything's a win right now until Mary Kay comes in and reports some nonsense, which is basically every other hour job of the yeah, day. Right. Um, right. Because, you know, for the New England folks, she's the one that, that is keeping the Jimmy G rumors alive and well here for the number one pick, which I can wholeheartedly tell you I will – Burn it to the <laughs> ground in Berea if it happens. Yeah, I, Mary Kay, well, that's a whole different pod for a different day. But, I mean, Sean, is there any shot that Brock Osweiler will ever play it down for the Cleveland Browns? Yes. Really? Okay. So I'll expand on that a little bit because I thought you were going to say not a shot, no shot in hell. The NFL is watching this now. They can't cut him. And I don't think anybody's trading him. I thought they may have had a chance like right after the deal. The more time that goes by, the other teams realize how toxic this guy is. I I think he's got a chance to at least be dressed uh, because they aren't going to be able to cut him uh, by rule. So he's going to hang around. And if the Browns quarterback situation has taught anybody anything is that – if you are on the practice squad, you are getting one snap in a season. <laughs> There's no doubt. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, when that so when Jerry that, Burris can take his old Brian Sipe jersey, he can rip the four letters off, and he can get the stitching. He can put that OS on. He can put the Weiler, and he can spell whatever the hell he wants to. But he could throw that bad boy on and head up to the Muni lot come December, and that cat's going to be maybe taking a snap or two. Yeah. If, Charlie, I mean, if Charlie Whitehurst can play for the Browns for a little bit, Brock Osweiler has a shot to play at least a couple snaps. I don't Chaz see. I don't Whitehurst, see. Chaz Fry, like, <laughs> Chaz Michael Murray, whatever the hell it is from the wedding singer. Like yeah, anybody is, is possible to take a snap with this team. I don't see any really negative to uh, you know Brock Osweiler getting at least some sort of tryout with the Browns. I mean, yeah, he could. The, soft or what's the word i want to say uh suck 
will suck and also degrade the development of some of the young wide receivers. But, um, I mean, it, it really can't get much worse. It's not like they have a franchise guy in waiting. I thought it was a really interesting trade, and it just actually showed – it was more – you know, Mark and I were talking about this. It was really like a an NBA trade where let us take on your assets or your – what nobody else thinks is an asset, but we'll take on this salary, we'll take on this contract, and you got to give us some sort of compensation to do that for you. And now the question is, so if Brock Osweiler is now a Cleveland Brown, obviously the Texans are in dire need of a quarterback. So you got to think that their their plan is, hey, we're going to trade for Tony Romo. But all the reports coming out are that they're going to wait till Tony Romo is a free agent. So the question is, what if they lose out on the Tony Romo sweepstakes? What are they? What's what's next? Colin Kaepernick, Jay Cutler. I mean, is it really? Are those two options that much better than Brock Osweiler? Brandon Whedon's still on the roster, isn't he? He is. Brandon Whedon and Tom Savage are well, the two go. quarterbacks on the roster. There you go. Don't so, worry about it. It's all taken care of. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see if this move does come back and bite them in the ass because they could have maybe. I mean, they made it to the playoffs of Brock Osweiler. Obviously, that was mainly because of the defense carrying them, but um, it's just it was a very interesting move. I, I applaud the Browns for making a great move, and that's not the only great move the Browns have made. They've shored up that offensive line. Um, they're trying to, they're they're paying guys to come to Cleveland, and and it's working so far. So pretty More interestingly, though, they're paying guys that don't have a lot of bus potential. So you pay linemen. And those are, are going to kind of be your safest. Now, they might not be to the liking that, that you're paying them. But for the most part, like you're going to get a, a significant return on your investment there versus if they pay a wide receiver, if they pay a, an outside linebacker, they pay a corner. The rest of their team's not good enough yet. But paying in the trenches, it's just more consistent. Yeah, well, the, with the one outlier is Kenny Britt. So they signed Kenny Britt to the deal. Uh, he signed four years. Utlier? What, what did he call that burst? Did he call that an outlier? Outlier. An outlier? outlier. That works too. That works too. Outlier. <laughs> you Boston cronies. You're unbelievable. The, the outlier is they signed Kenny Britt to a four-year $32.5 million contract. The positive here is we've seen Kenny Britt play well on a crappy team last year. He had 60-plus catches for over 1,000 yards with our favorite team, the Rams. The other side of the coin is he got paid. Is he going to keep up the motivation? Is he going to play well? Can he, you know, perform in the Browns' offense and take over the Terrell Pryor role that you know you'll the, the Browns will be needing if they want any shot of improving on their one-win season last year? I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat Kenny Britt's good. Kenny Britt's an average wide receiver. Maybe he can hit lightning in a bottle or something here with Hugh. I can't I can't overly defend that. What I will say is I find it hilarious that Kenny Brick got four for what do you get, Burst? Thirty and thirty something. Yeah. Seventeen guaranteed and Terrell Pryor just signed a one million or a one year eight million dollar deal, six guaranteed or something like that. And meanwhile, we had offered Pryor basically the Kenny Britt deal. We had offered that to him. Kenny Britt's only nine months older than Terrell Pryor, by the way. So you start kind of looking at that. That is utterly fascinating that Terrell Pryor or Drew Rosenhaus, more specifically, overplayed his hand that much. Right. Do you think it's completely just the the agent side of you know yes. kind of screwing him over, or do you think there's any like locker room stuff? Because they there were some it, rumblings that he was a poor fit for the what they were trying to do in, in Berea. 
I mean, that may be the case, but the fact of the matter is Charles Pryor should be thankful that he got $6 million guaranteed and possibly $8 million because, and all solely because Hugh Jackson gave him a chance, mm-hmm. and the team was bad enough that it gave him a chance to, to play for 16 games or 15 games, whatever the hell he did, and get 1,000 yards. Like, I, I don't know. I, this, this is reeks of Drew Rosenhaus, a big agent, shouldn't have had a client like Pryor. He should have had someone he could have been working, uh, you know, boots on the ground, kind of a, a lower level. Mark called it a Jerry Maguire situation. He needs a little bit more TLC. Uh, Mark's all over this whole agent thing. You have to get his take on it, but he, he, he trashes Rosenhaus. Yeah, I thought it was odd that they didn't keep uh, Pryor. Pryor said, said all the right things, said he wanted to stay, but obviously behind the scenes, the snake agents kind of come in and can and obviously cause a, a ruffle some feathers in, in management. So shocking move that that uh, Terrell Pryor moved on from Cleveland and even more shocking that he only got a one-year deal in Washington. And and better yet, at this point, who in their right mind even wants to go to Washington? Because they have quickly leapfrogged everybody in the NFL as being the biggest dumpster fire of an organization. Sneaky I mean, disaster. Oh, I mean, my goodness. If Kirk Cousins leaves... How bad does Terrell Pryor's situation look all of a sudden on a one-year deal? I mean, that is a really big gamble to take for a guy that basically said he's not signing a long-term deal there. There's a lot of dead man walking type scenario. Like that, that team in a division that is, you know, Dallas didn't go anywhere. The Giants are getting better. And Philly with the Nelson Jeffrey move. You really fortified an area, and if they, you know, double down in the draft offensively, like th- that team's Washington could be fourth place in the division, and Easy. Kirk Cousins could be in a 49er uniform next year. W- what do you think Terrell Pryor is going to command in the open market with a bunch of guys that are on one year deals this year and the free agents next year? It's a good question. I can, you know, he instantly becomes a, a fourth receiver for somebody, and he's, you know, sh- scrambling to make a million we'll see something like yeah it it was just it was it you know that that the whole thing that's been going on with washington where their general manager didn't go to the combine it got leaked that he was back on the sauce he's got an alcohol problem (laughs) and and then on top of that he wasn't involved with any sort of the uh of the, the the free agent signings or any sort of trading. By the way, he's beloved by the players. The players right, genuinely right. like him. So Kirk Cousin has refused to, under Paul Allen, who I believe is the president of the Redskins, he refuses to negotiate a long-term deal um, with with the Redskins as, as long as their GM. I think his name is Scott McLaughlin. Is, is let's no not act there. like these guys are saints. There's Jim Irsay. There's George Kokinas. Ask about the story there. Uh, <laughs> of of, of course not. I mean, Dan Snyder is one of one – of, you know, n- the most infamous, notorious douchebag of owners. So I don't blame Kirk Cousins for not wanting to be there. I am just shocked. I-, I applaud Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson for getting out of Washington. I am just shocked that Terrell Pryor would want to go there. I'm also shocked that no, he you're, you're not shocked. He had nothing else. It's well, desperate well, times, desperate well, and that's what, that's what I was about to say is that I'm shocked that he couldn't get, uh, you know, Bite more. anywhere else that he had to I'm, choose. I'm surprised, honestly, Cleveland. I'm surprised you couldn't get more from Washington. Washington should be desperate as all hell. They got Josh Dotson. He might he, he can barely run. 
Well, I, I think Doxon will, has had some time to rehab that Achilles. But, yeah, they, well, they have Crowder. They have Josh Doxson. Now they have Trell Pryor. They have Jordan Reed. They re-signed Vernon Davis. So that's a solid pass-catching group in Washington. However, is Kirk Cousins going to be throwing them the ball? Or will he be eventually traded to can San Jordan Francisco? Reed, can Jordan Reed walk and talk without getting a concussion? That's to be determined, you know. Uh, we'll see. We'll see come training camp. But you have you can't admit that they don't have a talented group of pass catchers around. I mean, Trell Plot not, not as much as what they had. I'll tell well, you. Of course let, not. Let's get to Deshaun, baby, because he's going to a situation that is legitimate. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson signed a three-year deal, thirty-five million dollars with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He'll now be the number two wide receiver uh, alongside Mike Evans and in front of Cameron Brait. All of a sudden, if they can get that running game figured out, Sean, you mentioned earlier that they might be able to grab a, a, um, a running back in the draft, or if Doug Martin somehow gets off those PEDs and finds a way to get back to his 2015 form, they could have a great running game again. That offense could be fun to watch, especially if Jameis Winston's able to uh, eliminate those turnovers a little bit. So, I mean, Sean, we've seen Jameis Winston throw the deep ball to Mike Evans. Deshaun Jackson has a totally different game than Mike Evans, but will it translate, you know, Jameis throwing the ball to Deshaun? As long as – well, Deshaun got paid, so so he should be happy. So as long as he keeps just running the go routes and, and you know, some of the kind of field stretching, um, Mike Evans, it just opens up a lot for that offense. I actually think this was a big thing when it came to Kirk Cousins uh, and his success – I think Deshaun Jackson was one of those guys that the film guys know and the coverage guys know that you have to cater some things to stopping him, and it's going to create a lot of openings. I think this is a major bump for Cameron Bright. I think it's a major bump for who Tampa targets in the draft. They could go offensive line or they could go playmaker. Playmaker like an O.J. Howard, which I would be shocked if he's still there, or a, a David Njoku, Evan Ingram at tight end. You could kind of double up the tight end. I also think Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey are in play. Maybe even Kamara in the second round, although I don't think he falls that far. But I, I, they've got some options here. And if they add one more piece, and all of a sudden now they got four or five playmakers to go with Winston at his disposal, that team becomes extremely, extremely dangerous. Jerry, what do you think that offense is going to look like with the addition of um, Deshaun Jackson? It's going to be more spaced out, that's for sure. Um, you have to cap him every time he goes vertical. You have to take that's going to take a safety over the top. Um, and you know, I don't know if he's as fast as he, he was when he was with the Eagles, but he's definitely a guy you have to account for on every single play. And it's just going to open up everything underneath for Bray. For Evans, um, Evans was notorious for turning a, a ten-yard curl route into extra yards uh, after the catch. So, if they can add a guy like Cook, or if they can add uh, another tight end, you know, like you said, Howard, I don't believe would be there. But this is a, an, an awesome, awesome get that the uh, the, Buc- the Buccaneers did. Uh, James Winston is just going to be even more happy than he possibly could be every day. So, so you look at from a fantasy point, uh, perspective, I think that Jameis Winston was a borderline QB1. And now, with the addition of Deshaun Jackson opening everything up, he won't just be force-feeding it to Mike Evans, who led the league in targets last year. I think you're going to see just uh, you know more efficient games from Jameis Winston. And instead of having 
a game where he puts up 30 fantasy points and the next game he only puts up about six fantasy points. You'll see more consistent QB1, maybe top 10, so right around 24, 25 fantasy points a game. I think this is huge for Jameis Winston's fantasy value. Um, for Deshaun Jackson, he had a pretty good bounce back season last year. Two years ago, it was an absolute nightmare. The guy was a bum. He was injured for most of the season. Then when he came back, he just looked disinterested. I believe he had like about 30 receptions for about 500 yards and a couple touchdowns. 2016, back over the 1,000-yard mark, thanks to, uh, you know, the good connection with Kirk Cousins. And, you know, he's back being a solid boomer bust wide receiver, too, with the potential of more boom than bust. So I actually made a trade for him a few weeks ago, thinking that he'd go to a, a pretty solid spot. I traded Jeremy Hill for Deshaun Jackson in a dynasty league. And when it's all said and done, I'm, I'm very happy with uh, how that turned out for me and my fantasy squad. But we, As are we. We were just riveted on that little tidbit. I'm there. sure you were. I'm sure you were. You learned from the master. But on the other side, though, I mean, their defense is getting better, too. I think that Tampa Bay has made all the right moves to try to definitely battle the Falcons for the crown of the NFC South. In, uh, I'm going to be honest, the team that I, that I think is laying in the weeds here is Carolina. They, they are on another... They are a draft away and maybe a bargain hunting. Um, what they added with Peppers and just kind of their defensive line, get some guys back healthy, shore up the front seven. That team could be right back where they were two, you know, a year and a half ago. Yeah, that pass rush definitely made the secondary look very, very good. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they did. And I guess this is a good transition, as any, to talk about my Patriots because the oh, – uh, the Panthers traded Coney Ely to the Patriots for uh, basically jumping up about eight picks in the third round, and that was only one of the many moves that Bill Belichick made over this past weekend. The one, the one move that is probably my favorite move um, from just a fantasy perspective, uh, just because I always like this guy, but also uh, Brandon Cooks being traded for the 32nd overall pick, essentially. Um, this is probably one of the more dynamic receivers Tom Brady's ever played with. So it'll be very interesting to see how he fits into a Patriots offense that is really um, depends on timing routes with the, the smaller quick receivers um, and obviously the two tight end sets. So, Sean, you have some thoughts on how Brandon Cooks is going to fit into this Patriots offense. Let's hear him. Well, see, I think, Jerry, this is fitting because they were so used to not having a draft pick last year. Mm-hmm. Oh. They just were like, well, let's go ahead and trade this one this year. They don't uh, like, like that, that whole worked. Thursday trip to no, New York. It, it, they don't need it. Like they'll save on flights. We know we know Bob Kraft's a tightwad, so they're going to save a little bit of money there. All of these things kind of playing out the way that they are. So you know, naturally, um, I think obviously though the, the Brandon Cooks trade is fantastic for him. I think it allows him to go actually flip more to a three wide receiver set. They're going to kind of change their offense a little bit. The Dwayne Allen is sneaky good because not only. Be, does he add a, a tight end similar to Martellus Bennett? He's a better blocker, so they can then utilize those th- three wide receiver sets, those running backs out of the backfield, catching the ball a lot more. So Deion Lewis, I guess James White, we were way off on our Super Bowl prediction there, like <laughs> completely the wrong running back. Um, that said, uh, I, I think you see it there. I think it also spells the end for Danny Amendola within a year. He's got one more left with the Pats, and then – He's going to be um, excommunicated, uh, as will well. Well, Sean. Edelman. So, 
Amendola, Amendola uh, currently has a $7 million cap hit, the fourth highest on the team. So either he's going to restructure for the third year in a row or he's cut. That's, that's all that's going to happen go. with him. And um, then you, you got the, the kid from Georgia who I think Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Mitchell, Mitchell he, yep. had, he had a good year last year. I think he steps up a little bit more. What, what it really does, though, continues to buy New England the additional flexibility. Cooks has got a good deal. I think for two years. So they got this cooks. Year, they got cooks this, this year for about a million dollars, and then he'll pick up his rookie option, the fifth year option, for eight and a half million dollars next year. So, very so, cheap money for one of the. And he's only twenty three. He's actually younger than most. Can't play in cold weather though, Luke. This is oh, how many times that's I got a rumor. That's oh. what. That's what everybody tells me. Everything, the, everything yeah. I watch tells me that he can't play in cold weather, except uh, Corvallis, Washington. It, they don't realize that it's actually it's pretty damn cold. <laughs> Oregon State Oregon State in December is about 40 degrees, and he won the Blickenoff Trophy uh, uh, playing in that weather. So I think he'll be okay. I, yeah, there's a bunch of talking heads on the Internet were saying how Brandon Cook has only scored 16 out of his 20 touchdowns it's in the a best dome because he played in the NFC South. By, he played, he played literally, by definition, plays eight <laughs> games near the equator for all intents and purposes. He plays eight games in the Dome in New Orleans, one game in Atlanta in the Dome, and then a game in Tampa Bay and a game in Carolina. So that's that's what, 11 games where it's going to be either a Dome or warm weather. And so whatever, that's that's an old story. That was just them trying to get some clickbait, but uh, I think we shut that down real quick. But I mean, listen, from a fantasy standpoint, though, I do have to say, I think, you know, Brandon Cooks had about 70-some-odd catches last season, the year before. I think the catches go down, but he's going to see a lot more one-on-one coverage because teams are going to be focusing on Edelman, on Gronk, Malcolm Mitchell, some of the other players on that offense. So I think his yards go up and maybe his touchdowns go up. He might see 1,200 yards, 1,300 yards. But, you know, 60-some-odd catches is probably where he's going to be. He's been a pretty healthy player his whole career, and uh, we all know Edelman's injury struggles in the past, so... Uh, maybe if Edelman goes down again, Cook comes in the slot and he he picks up those seven, eight, nine catch games uh, from Brady. But I'm pretty excited about that. However, I think that there has to be one more move with the Patriots because Belichick is not thinking about this year. He's thinking about the next three years. And as I mentioned, Brandon Cooks in two years will be up for big money. He'll probably be looking for about $13, $14 million a year. Um, Malcolm Butler... He just signed the, the he got uh, tendered for the uh, at the first round level, so that means that he's going to be making about four million dollars a year this year. If a team wants to sign him, they can, but they have to give up a first round pick to the Patriots and give him about fifteen million dollars a year. Uh, so next season, he's going to be asking for fifteen million dollars a year. And then obviously, we know everything that's going on with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's at the end of his contract this year. He's got to be franchised next year or sign a long term deal. I just see no way that that. Belichick is going to sign Malcolm Butler, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Brandon Cooks. And he might think that Malcolm Butler or Jimmy Garoppolo right now are at their all-time high value and try to move those two players right now. So, Jerry, obviously there's been – the only team left that needs a quarterback are the Browns. Are the Browns going to be in on Jimmy Garoppolo as we get closer to the draft? I still say no. I, I called this a while ago. I, I think when it's all said and done, Jimmy G is still playing for the Pats – the insurance policy on Tom Brady is just too important, and I don't think they get rid of him. I think Jacoby Brissett is nowhere near ready to be the right. true backup. I agree with that. Uh, Sean, what, what are your thoughts on the whole the whole Jimmy G ordeal? I'm a little puzzled by Belichick here. I, obviously, he, he must really, really like Jimmy G, but 
at, at some point he's got to make a decision between the two because next year I, I can't see how that works out. And Belichick to me has always been someone that craves assets and what better time to get your assets than now. Cause you won't be able to get it next year. If I understand everything kind of uh, correctly with, with some of their situation where some guys are, I, it, it's a little bit bewildering to me. I, I, I haven't, I think it, there's a lot that can happen between now and June. And I guess that's where I'm still hanging my hat on. I didn't think he was moving before. And it seems to have doubled down on it to the point where I'm, I'm a little surprised that I'm right or could be <laughs> right. Um, you know, and I don't where I don't think Jerry's there. I'd be I was surprised if I'd be right. But I think it's certainly trending that way. I I think that again Belichick wants to get top dollar for his assets and he's totally happy with saying all right well I'm just going to hold on to this guy and when you're desperate you'll come for him. I'm having and the math you know the math just doesn't make any sense. They're going to have to give him they're going to have to franchise him next year if they want to keep him unless they say listen there's no way the Belichick franchises him next year. You can't pay your backup quarterback well, Six, well no. seven million more than what you would pay your starting quarterback that has five titles and maybe six by next year. Like it doesn't make any right. sense whatsoever. Well, but the only but what I'm saying though is they're gonna have to franchise him like they did Matt Castle and eventually either try to move him or work on a long term deal. And the long term deal has to be structured to the point where, hey, your cap hit isn't gonna come into play until Brady retires. Now, is Jimmy Grabble gonna want to do that? Probably not. He might just say, hey, Bill, thanks for the time here. I won two Super Bowls, maybe three. Um, give me my money now or or let me walk or trade me. And that's, you know, that's where I'm at with it. I, I, I'm, I'm baffled by it. I Part of me thinks that they brought in Brandon Cooks as kind of part of the next generation of Patriots, that he's hoping that Garoppolo is going to be around to throw the ball to, uh, to Brandon Cooks, just like Brady has to Edelman for the past four or five years. That's the only thing I can think of. But again, the timing just doesn't make sense unless Brady knows, hey, I'm retiring in 2017 or 2018. But as we saw this past year, he's not any closer to retiring than he was five years ago. So see, I, very, I don't think Brandon Cooks, I don't think Brandon Cooks is on your roster after two years. I, I think they end up getting a comp pick of a third rounder for right. it. You get a two year type rental. It, knowing Belichick, he, he's not looking out to year three and four in the sense of, I want this player there. I, he's always wanting to allow himself and afford himself of flexibility. Uh, he looks towards the future, but he never makes decisions in the future. Right. Right. Yeah. So it, it's, it's interesting. It's in, I guess the most interesting thing about it is he's never traded a player for a first round. I'm sorry, never traded a first round pick for a player in the 18 years he's been on the Patriots. So the fact that he's making this move now is just even more baffling and more puzzling because a guy that always um, puts his hat on, I want the most value, I want the most value, he's saying, I'd rather have Brandon Cooks at a million dollars for one year and then $8 million the next year than control this guy who I take 32nd overall for four years and then pay him big money in year five. So, again, that's just one of the things that are really baffling me here in New England with what Belichick is doing on top of the fact that they signed Stefan Gilmore to a five-year, $65 million contract when Malcolm Butler, who has done everything that a Patriots fan or a Patriots coach would want, uh, at least to, to the public eye, 
he's asking for a new contract and he hasn't gotten it yet. So it's just a lot of puzzling things going on here in New England, and we still don't even know if Dante Hightower is going to come back. The Patriots are the leaders in the clubhouse to get him back. So, uh, you know, still more pieces to fall here in New England. But it's uh, for the first time in a while, probably the first time since 2007, the free agency period has actually been very fun to watch as a Patriots fan. Um, and I'm hoping that this translates into success on the field in 2017 as well. But uh, another – so the player that actually replaced Brandon Cooks I think is interesting, Sean. Ted Ginn, former Ohio State Buckeye, former Carolina Panther – He's now the speed guy in in um, in New Orleans. Do you think that's a good fit for him? I mean, obviously, he's a much different player than Brandon Cooks, but he has the top-end speed that Cooks does. Is this a good fit for New Orleans and Drew Brees? Not knowing all the routes that Cooks ran for New Orleans, I mean, obviously, the, the field-stretching ones, Ted Ginn is there, if not still faster than, than Brandon Cooks. So, um I think that's certainly there. I think they're, they're expecting Michael Thomas. I think what you're also seeing is what they've invested in the offensive line and the running game. They're slowly kind of taking the the late Denver Broncos model and trying to kind of build around that. My brother thinks that that the Saints are a tailor-made spot for Christian McCaffrey um, to add a real, real dynamic playmaker into the fold for them. I think they're in play for an O.J. Howard as well in the draft. I think they have to address defense first, though. But that 32 pick gives them a lot of options. Could be an Evan Ingram or something you know, along those lines um, or anybody that's that's still hanging around there uh, at the back end of the first round now in light of the straight. I think they looked at it and said we can still get 40 without Cooks uh, or we can still get into the 30s point-wise without Brandon Cooks. So this is a logical step for us. Let's be able to target the defense in some capacity and the offensive line, and let's try and find different ways to win games now. And, so and- I, I think for the Saints, Ted Ginn gives them enough that – you're still going to have to respect that, as Burst uh, noted, with with you know capping his some of his routes. Um, and I think with that in mind, they've got a they haven't lost a ton dynamically on offense. Yeah, and with Willie Sneed proving that two years ago when he uh, I think he had over a thousand yards receiving, it wasn't just a one year thing. He came back last year, uh, missed some time with a knee injury, but he still played very well as the number two, maybe number three receiver in New Orleans. Um, him stepping up and showing he's consistently a solid player allows them to move Brandon Cooks and focus on that defense, which was just poo-poo last year, in the words of you, Sean. Uh, but another receiver I want to talk about real quick, Jerry, and and tr- please, how does Alshon Jeffrey only get one year $14 million from the Eagles? Uh, um, the number I'm not concerned with. I do think that the year is an issue, you know, do you really think he needs a prove-it deal like this, this one-year thing? I think you should definitely try to get at least a two-year deal with him, uh, possibly even three. Um, he's a big target that, that they haven't had in a little while. I mean, Jordan Matthews isn't as big as he is. This is a little bit confusing, but I think you know maybe that's all he was looking for. Maybe he's not looking for an extended thing that – um, maybe he's looking to actually win a championship after playing with Jay Cutler for that long. You know, you, it makes you do a lot of weird decisions. <laughs> is Alshon Jeffrey going to play more than than ten games in a season, though? That's I mean, a good question. Isn't there something to be to this? Uh, something to be said towards this? Like, it, you kind of have to play a little bit. The fact that right. he got fourteen million compared to all these other guys signing one year eight. Uh, you know, actually, I, I think he got his bump just there, but yeah. 
I don't I don't know. He, he's one of these possession guys, and it can kind of go fast if if you don't keep working at it. And if you're not on the field, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. It's true. Well, on, and on top of that, he also had the issue with the uh, the the recreational drug use last year and he missed four games with that suspension. So one more pop and he's out for 10 games. So, you know, th- this is a prove it deal. I mean, he's 27 years old. He's six, three two eighteen. I mean, he is the prototypical number one wide receiver that you want, but does he have his head on straight? He had weight problems coming into the pros. He's kind of kept that down. So he's been solid um, when he's on the field, but you know, Sean, as you mentioned, he, can't continue to stay on the field. If he can get that production of the 89 catches, 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns that he had in his second season, 2013, then he's going to get paid next offseason. I guess it was just very um, interesting to see the market for wide receivers this year. Everything I read, everything I saw, everything I thought, I felt that Alshon Jeffrey was the top receiver in this free agent market, but he didn't get paid like it. Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon got paid like it, uh, you know, we talked about Deshaun Jackson's three or $35 million deal, but Pierre Garcon, he got lucky and he signed a five-year deal, uh, 47 and a half million with San Francisco. So obviously the back end number is bloated. It's all about what happens in the first two, three years. And, uh, Garcon's getting paid big time. I think $16 million this year to be the X receiver in Kyle Shanahan's offense. So Jerry, as we saw with Julio Jones with the Falcons, Deshaun Jackson's a player that's going to be, get targeted often, but the real question is who's going to throw him the football? I yeah, I, I don't, I don't you know. know what to say. They re-signed Brian. They signed Brian Hoyer to kind of be the bridge guy, and you know Shanahan obviously doesn't see him as a long term long term fix. He's he the only quarterback nice on the roster right now. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> yes, literally, literally, um, he was the first quarterback to be added to the roster. I think they signed somebody else. I got to look into that. But yeah, I mean, right now, if the season started today, Brian Hoyer is a starting quarterback, and he got ten million guarantee, which is good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. But whoever's playing quarterback, if they can get him the ball, Pierre Garcon's going to get twelve, thirteen targets a game, right? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, so who else? I think- they have Jeremy Curley. They have him, and then I can't name another Forty ers receiver. That's yeah, it. like Quentin, Quentin Patton. Um, there's uh, I can't think of the guy's name that was the the hot name last year. Then blew his hamstring uh, and was on the IR. Um, but anyways, yeah, they, I mean they got they got nothing there. That that cupboard's very dry. I wouldn't be surprised if with their second round pick they tried to go after a wide receiver because um, you know as well as Garcon has played, I'm not sure he's a true number one. I think you can game plan for him pretty easily. Um, but another player, one more. Actually, two more wide receivers I want to talk about, but this one is actually very surprising. And, gentlemen, we didn't talk about this, so I'm going to kind of uh, throw you for a loop here. But our team, the Rams, gave Robert Woods five oh, years, $39 million. And you know he's been in the end zone one time in uh, uh, some shocking statistic. He gets the end zone less than Tavon Austin. Think about Ooh. that. Tavon Austin. <laughs> That oh, that team, I I feel bad for McVeigh, but I don't I don't think I know Luke. You're still high on on Gurley, unless they crap out some linemen that des- decide they have talent all of a sudden. Like this is going to be a tough year next year. 
Well, they signed they real signed tough, and it's another year of a lot of wear on on right. Todd Gurley. They signed Andre Whitworth to a two year deal, a three year thirty six million dollars. Uh, it's Andrew. I'm sorry, and he's thirty eight years old. Thirty six years old. So he's an older guy, but they're at least trying to address he, it. He, he looks thirty eight. He looks like one of them Dominicans that fakes the birth. <laughs> they should have been all out for Zeitler. They should have yeah. been all out for like a, one or two of these guys that that, that got signed. Um, what was it? The uh, the Watkins kid from Baltimore that went to uh, Detroit. Like they should have been targeting that. Larry Wofford. Like they should have been going after those guys. I don't know what the hell that team is doing. And I used to blame Jeff Fisher. Now I feel bad. No, I don't feel bad. Um, no, I don't feel bad about Jeff Fisher. But I mean, so you mentioned so Robert Woods only scored one touchdown last year, but the year before he had three, the year before he had five, and then his rookie season in twenty thirteen he had three. So he's not a touchdown machine by any chance. But in two thousand fourteen, the best season of his career, second year, sixty five catches, six hundred ninety nine yards, five touchdowns. Now again, the Bills are always at the bottom of the league in passes attempted, and. More often than Wait, not, you just dog this signing, and now you're trying to talk yourself into it. Burst. No, Let's no, no. This, I'm not, this I'm signing not ta- sucks. No, no, I'm no, I'm not. I am not convincing myself this is a good signing. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you that this is Robert Woods' best season ever, and everything I read is that he's a blocking wide receiver. That's what he excels at. Okay, that's great if you have I don't know a solid res- option on the other side. If you <laughs> if they had an Alshon Jeffrey, if they, you know, maybe even if they signed Pierre Garçon. But the other wide receiver option that they have is Tavon Austin, who just signed the four-year, $40 million contract. And you're and never going to run it towards Tavon Austin's side anyway. Exactly. And, and on top of that, they, they, they cut Lance Kendricks, their only somewhat reliable tight end. So they don't even have a pass catcher in that regard. So I'm no, not they defending like that rookie. Sign. Whoever that rookie is, they they like him a lot. That's what makes me. Oh, Tyler, Tyler Higby. Okay, Tyler Higby. Yeah. So still, in the end, though, the biggest thing, the biggest issue they had last year was they had nothing for Jared Goff to throw to. Nothing whatsoever. And they still don't. Robert Woods is just going to be a just another guy who's going to run a few routes and Block a little bit for you here and there. Have three or four catches. He's not the dynamic player that they need to help to help Jared Goff develop. I don't know who the hell they're paying. They they traded the Sims guy. They traded another defensive lineman. I I know that Quinn's probably holding up some decent money. Donald's on a rookie contract. Ogilby's on a, a rookie contract. Tremaine Johnson, who they're trying to dump, but they franchised. Uh, who who actually are the Rams? Like who's holding up their salary? Like Gurley's on a rookie deal. Tavon Austin, he just signed that ludicrous contract, but it's not ter- like huge, huge money. They must have like dead money somewhere because why aren't they going after guys that like legitimately make them better? It- it's just befuddling. Right. Mark Barron's getting eleven million dollar cap hit. Sucks. Um, Michael Brocker's eleven million. Sucks. Uh, Robert <laughs> Quinn just under eleven. <laughs> Uh, Ogletree's at eight point three. Oh, they uh, must re- okay, so they did sign him to something, or or he might. I think he's actually on his fifth deal. Yeah, he's yeah, on his, his, fifth up his rookie option. deal. That, that's what yeah, that so, would be. So I mean, yeah, they have they have cap room left. Um, you know, Trumaine Johnson's their biggest cap hit at at sixteen point seven million. Awful. He's ten percent of their Garbage. cap, but I, I mean, they're just they're just. <laughs> This team is terrible, and, and they don't they, have draft picks. Like they don't have any draft picks. Right. They traded for that monstrosity that right. weighs a buck fifteen and uh, number sixteen <laughs> that, that doesn't know um, or no. Does he know where the sun sets? Doesn't know where the sun sets. Yeah, yeah that's so, moron. 
I think we're going to be talking a lot about the Rams and their uh, and their just just ridiculousness and their the the poor play. And I'm going to be banging the the table every time Todd Gurley scores a touchdown next year that he's an RB one. But I'll be oh, thoroughly disappointed. Yeah, I'm sure. Time. He did yeah. it like three times last year. <laughs> um, last wide receiver I want to talk about, and this is an interesting signing. Brandon Marshall, two-year deal, $12 million with the Giants. He was the first receiver, actually I think the first player, at least the first big-name player to sign in free agency. Um, I love this this fit with him. Uh, so I heard that he gave up – he had less money or more money on the table with the Ravens. I thought he had a much better fit with the Ravens, but he didn't want to leave New York for exposure reasons. So – that you didn't want to leave. Said, this, is the, this is the first time a guy has signed somewhere because he had another job. I mean, he's he's got the Showtime Joe. Well, no, but he can't do that job because they record on Tuesdays and the Giants practice on Tuesdays. But he said that he wanted to stay in New York for exposure reasons. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, that's that, that's he's he's trying that's to watch out for his brand. That's oh, yeah. trying to give his brand. Right. So he said he's saying all the right things. He was the first one in the locker room right after he signed his deal. He said that the uh, the the party boat wouldn't have happened if if he was on the team. Saying all the right things, but then you throw out the bomb. I'm I'm here for my exposure to to better my brand. It's just okay. I mean, he'll be productive on the you know on, on the field. I'm sure for at least one year. But I'm count. I'm gonna say the over under is week six for when Brandon Marshall chokes out Odell Beckham because <laughs> that locker room is going to be in complete yeah, utter I, Yeah, I, I'm with you, Luke. I, I hate this for a young receiving core. I'm all for bringing in a veteran. I am not for bringing in that veteran. I, I just I don't see that fit there whatsoever uh, to the point where I, I, I think it's got some very, very um, explosive potential. <laughs> Jerry, what, do you think this is a fit? I mean, Eli Manning looked like crap last year. He needs another weapon. Uh, Victor Cruz is done, obviously. Sterling Shepard was a rookie. They have no running game to speak of whatsoever. Will there at least be some semblance of solid football between Eli Manning and Brandon Marshall next season? Well, I do think they having that veteran presence, Eli Manning tends to work better with those guys than he does with the brand-new young guys. He doesn't have... A, the you know kind of the patience for some of their shenanigans if you will but mm. i think the problem with the giants is still the running game and until that's completely addressed um the offense is going to struggle again you know until the giants are best when they can run the ball i mean let's be clear so is adding him really going to solve all their issues no but i mean victor cruz was a guy they got rid of so he um he, you're going to take Marshall move him outside and then you got Shepard on the inside kind of replacing what Cruz did back you know in, the, in his heyday but I still think they need a running game and they need it now right so and I think they're gonna have to address that in the draft unless and this is a good transition unless they are able to or they're interested in Adrian Peterson coming to New York because yeah that's nothing Nothing has happened with the running back so far. Le'Veon Bell is the only running back to sign, and he only signed because he was franchised. Danny Woodhead signed with Baltimore, but he's coming off a knee injury. Jaquiz Rogers re-upped with Tampa Bay. That means that we have Adrian Peterson, Latavius Murray, Eddie Lacy, Jamal Charles, and LeGarrette Blunt still as free agents, still looking for jobs. The teams you always hear in on these players are the Vikings looking for a running back, um, the Seahawks, and the Jaguars. Those are the three teams I'm hearing everywhere. What is who's the first running back to sign Sean? And then after that, who's the next one? I mean, there's got to be one domino to fall, and then there'll be the effect after that. 
I think it's Eddie Lacy. I don't know where he's going to sign, but I think he's going to sign somewhere soon. After that, who do you think's next, and who's who's going to go where, Sean? I think Eddie Lacy's right. He came in shape last year, and then by about week four, he got out of shape. So that's a major problem. That's heading into a free agency season. So see, I, no, I, no, I, I disagree. With, I disagree with that. I think. Well, that you mean you disagree? He didn't. He, come, aver- he didn't get out of shape. He got no. Fat. He, he was averaging he was five yards that week he, to week. He, he he was running well. He was averaging five yards a carry before he tore his he tore his ankle up. And I didn't think he looked that much different in week four that he did during the preseason. He was playing well. He just didn't get in the end zone. Difference. It looked uh, like it looked like there was ten pounds in the gut. Like Maybe he looked I, sleek. I was uh, I was with you all the way up until gosh, okay, week four, four or five it happened. But even a couple weeks before that, I was like, is he getting sloppier? Like, is he not practicing? What's going on here? I don't know. I I, I thought he looked okay until he got hurt. Again, averaged five yards of carry. Didn't get in the end zone, so the numbers weren't great. But he tore up his ankle legit like you know they, they went in they said the, the surgery was far more invasive than they thought it had to be um and that obviously derailed him but you know if eddie lacy's the first one to sign where is he going is he going back to green bay is he going to seattle oakland needs a running back now Seattle uh, makes Jack- sense to me. so yes so obviously thomas rawls cj Procise could not hold up last year I think Eddie Lacy would be a solid veteran in Seattle. I'd yeah, like to see him go there. Give thunder and lightning up there. Give, he can be sure. the thunder and you know the storm clouds and every other kind of I gotta meteor- be meteorological. I think all four of these running backs suck. I, I, I just I just wouldn't bother with them. I, I, running backs like I don't need a trip to the fountain of youth for these guys. They're done. Stick a fork in them. Adrian Peterson. He's hurt his knee twice. He's not who he was. Two out of the last three years, he's been awful. Latavius Murray was probably the one with the most upside of the four just because of youth and the fact he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear. But Oakland can't wait to get rid of him. Right. They must, like, he must be one of these guys on the all 22 that can't see these cutback lanes because there's some games where he's fantastic in, and then others where it's 16 carries, 35 yards. And, you know, this, the, the worst one of these four. Unfortunately, and it, from my uh, point of view, is Jamal Charles. I just think he retires. I, I just don't think he can play anymore. The grind that the NFL is daily, um, let alone week to week. I don't think any of them are impact guys. I'd be very, very surprised. Um, they are where they are. And I think you got some young up-and-coming running backs that there's seven or eight of them in the draft. That these guys, you know, aren't aren't able to compete with anymore. Yeah, this was a bad, bad, bad season to be a free agent running back. And and to your point about Latavius Murray, the Raiders have been trying to replace him for like the past two years. And the problem is they can't bring in anybody that's worthy enough of replacing him because they're even worse. If you watch Latavius Murray, he runs very upright. Um, he's got the size, he's got the speed and the athleticism to be an, a great running back. But like you said, there are some games where he'll break off a 70 yard touchdown. That'll get you the 130 yards rushing. But then the other 15 carries he has that game are for like one or two yards. So it's just, it's very, uh, it, he, he's a tough player to, uh, to rely on, on your fantasy squad or your NFL team. But uh, Jerry, so Sean says Jamal Charles is done. Adrian Peterson's done. Eddie Lacy's fat. Latavius Murray sucks. Do you think any of these four guys have a shot at being a solid player next year, contribute to the team, and or maybe can they get back to their, their previous form? 
Oh, I think they're all definitely on the other side of the hill um, when it comes to being in form. Uh, Eddie Lacy, because of his physical nature, um, and then the rest of them, you know, knee surgeries are a problem. I think that Eddie Lacy has a chance to re- revitalize himself if he can be a specialist back in the way that, like, LeGarrette Blunt kind of made him in, himself into being with the Patriots. If he can be the number two guy somewhere. he He's not a, a feature back, and... He, I think the NFL is requiring a running back to be a little bit smaller, a little bit lighter, and way faster and more versatile. Um, you know, it's kind of a slot receiver. And I just don't know if any of these guys really fit the mold besides Jamal Charles. His body is just not holding up. And I, I really don't know if he's going to be on a roster when the season starts, but I do think he finishes the this, this season, you know, getting paid by somebody. Okay. So it'll be interesting to see how the running back landscape. It shakes up, especially, you know, they people might wait until after the draft to right. see if they're able to get a guy in the second round who might have slipped down to them. Um, you know, and even after that, I guess the top tier of running backs in the free agent market, you got your LeGarrette Blunt, who, you know, he played really well this season. We saw what he's done outside of New England, and it's not great. Kristen Michael, who flashed at times last season but was cut multiple times. Andre Ellington, years ago, who was solid, who knows what he's going to do now. He could never stay on the field. I mean, there's just no sexy name there that a team's going to want to spend big dollars on. They'd rather take a chance on the draft. So really interesting to see how it's going to play out. I I wouldn't be surprised if at least three of those guys are signed uh, next week as we head into the second week of NFL free agency. Where do you see see those guys going? Uh, Maybe just rapid fire between the three of us. I would say Lacey to... um, Seattle, yeah, I think we're Oakland, we, and uh, who, who is not Charles? Who's the other guy? Murray, Murray, Murray to Minnesota. I I think Adrian Peterson is going to go back to Minnesota. I think Eddie Lacy is going to go to Seattle, and I think Latavius Murray. I have a hard time saying Green Bay is going to sign him, just because they're, they're not going to want to give up the compensation, right? Green I Bay, yeah. I think Latavius Murray goes to the Giants. Ooh, okay, Jerry, what are your that thoughts? That makes sense. On I could I could sign on for that. Nice, nice. All right, great. Well, hey, this past nice week, pick, of free agency, you're welcome. <laughs> I gotta say, this past week of free agency has been one of the more memorable um, that I can remember. Not just because the Patriots are spending money and making moves, but just because a lot of player movement, lots of trades, which is always fun to see in the NFL. Um, doesn't happen often, so I'm looking forward to next week as the free agent dominoes continue to fall. We'll see where the pieces go. Um, we'll be sure to keep you guys updated on any sort of major move that'll impact your fantasy football teams, any skill player that goes to um, another team or gets traded. Uh, I've been tweeting out a graphic that gives you an idea of the players, uh, that gives you the contract, year and value, and the new team. So be sure to check that out at Glory Podcast. Same thing on Facebook. I am sending out the same exact picture. And also, uh, if you go to negpodcast.com, There's a running blotter on the latest rumors and the latest moves that impact your fantasy football team. So be sure to check that out. Let us know what you think. Are you excited about where your players are going? If you are, let us know. If you're not, again, let us know. And uh, keep it locked to the Never Ending Glory podcast as we continue to keep track of the NFL free agency. Gentlemen, it was great talking to you tonight. Sean, great work tonight. You're going to be sleeping in late tomorrow. Did a lot of work. I'm proud of you. Got to rest a little bit. You should take the rest of the day off tomorrow. What the hell are you talking about? (laughs) <laughs> I got to work tomorrow. You the should take the day, the day off, a little you time. So you guys, I got to do an NCAA pod here in a couple of days with the degenerate one is Nick and Akron. 
Yeah, you enjoy that. You enjoy that. Keep it. Make sure you check us out. Uh, what would that be? Probably released at NEG Pod CFB. Uh, that's our college sports Twitter handle. But anyways, they'll all be released. You'll you'll know about them the, the moment they're released. So keep on listening to the Never Ending Glory podcast, family. We appreciate it. We appreciate all the back and forth we have on Twitter and on Facebook, and uh, the emails that are sent to negpodcast at gmail.com. But Gentlemen, great talking tonight. Have a wonderful night, and we'll be back next week to recap week two of the NFL free agency moves. All right, later, Luke. Boom. Oh.